Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Forest Spirituality with me, Julie Brett. I'd like to begin this episode with an acknowledgement of country and I invite you to make your own for the place where you live. I'm recording here on Darug and Gundagara country, land that was never ceded and remains at the land of the Darug and Gundagara people who have a deep and abiding connection with this land, with its waters and with its skies with its stories, songs and ceremonies. I pay my respect to the Elders past and present and extend that to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who might be listening today. I'd also like to extend that respect to Uncle Peter Williams from Ngemba country, who's our guest on the podcast today. I met Uncle Peter on the Yamanangabaka tour in uh, 2019 when we went out to the rivers. We had a chat at my home for the podcast about his journey, learning about song and dance and getting involved with the corroborees along the rivers, which have been running a lot longer than just that, that particular event. They've been doing it for many years and of course through Aboriginal culture for countless generations. He also talks about his big dreams for a wonderful cultural centre in the podcast and shares many insights on the complexities of Aboriginal culture in the area where he's from. The chapter of the new book that I've put out called Belonging to the Earth, um, in the chapter with Uncle Peter, it includes a comp- some contributions from him that come from this interview. And uh, this is much, much longer than uh, we could have ever fit in the book. So if you enjoyed that chapter, this is an opportunity to hear a bit more from him and understand um, the context of those conversations. Uh, He's a wealth of knowledge and I'm looking forward to getting a better understanding of what he talks about when he's discussing the totem system and various stories that relate to his country and the songlines across the continent as a whole. It's a really complex system and I'm just beginning to learn about it after many, many years of looking into this. It's it's complex. Um, And so I, I didn't feel fully comfortable including a lot of that information in the book because I didn't feel confident in it myself but I really love that I'm able to share with you this conversation so that you can hear it directly from Uncle Peter um, and hear him describe those things himself. So this podcast was actually recorded in 2021 when I was working on the book um, and I planned to bring out the podcast earlier but as it happens COVID just got in the way and I wasn't, I haven't been able to do any, so I'm sorry it's taken this time, but um, perhaps it's given you a chance to to get the book and read it and uh, and understand some of the basis of where this is coming from. Um, but that's just how it's happened, I'm afraid. I hope you enjoy the interview. It has so much in it that we weren't able to fit in the book. I really um, ex- am excited to share it with you. So yeah, if you enjoyed the book, then this should be even more fun for you to listen to. Um, Without further ado, enjoy. Yeah, um, I was really wanting to just hear about what you do. And um, yeah, so you, I think I've heard you described as a, a senior song keeper, law keeper. What, how would senior you song person. A song person. Right. So yeah, I don't like definitions too much. Fair enough. Cool. Means um, you've got responsibility. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, just just Peter. Then 
So we're having a chat with Peter. <laughs> so I have a lot of people from um, different parts of the world that don't know much about Aboriginal culture at all listen to the podcast. Um, and there's... Yeah, we were just on. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to start again? No. No? <laughs> and it's you do all this. Yeah, I mean, it's a very chatty podcast. We just um, have a conversation and let people eavesdrop a bit, I guess, um, about, you know... What's your life about? And and I guess we could we could talk about the um, Yamanangabaka tour and how you got involved with that and about your property and and things like that. So yeah, yeah. So which yeah. part? <laughs> well, I don't know. well, um, I guess what maybe you can tell us a bit about where you're from. Um, and, well, and how you got into doing what you do as well. That's a long story. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Well, my name's Pete Williams. Um, uh, born in a little town called Barorana. Later on in my life, probably about 30 years ago, <coughs> started learning my culture and doing our law ceremonies from my Uncle Paul Gordon. Uh, existence of about 30 years now, I've been doing it with him. Yeah. And before that, it was... Um, well, it was a funny story. At 13 years old, I said to my older brothers, because I'm the youngest of five, I said, oh, I want to do ceremonies one day. Didn't know nothing about it. But they laughed at me. I said, well, when I first did it, I rang them all up and said, ha, back at you. <laughs> Why would they laugh at you? <clears throat> oh, well, we, we grew up not knowing our culture. Yeah, right. Um, did you grow up out there? At Brewarana, yeah. Mm. Oh, Brewarana, there for about five years till 69 which is make me sound old. Um, then we moved to Gleninus. Right. And that was even weirder because it wasn't our area. Mm. Um, I didn't know that at the time, feeling the weird part, but as kids, you just go and play and do what you do. Mm. But, um, and the, yeah. con- the country you're from is, is, is the country called Nyampa or is that that's your. Sorry, I don't know the definitions of. Oh, the... Well, the Nyampa, Nyampa is our. Whole nation. Right. Nye in our language means speaking. Mm-hmm. The pa is like the world. So it's our speaking world. Oh, okay. Inside of our tribal area, in tribe Nyempa, we've got two language groups. Wongaipuan and Wawa. So those are the, our dialects we speak. And you speak both of those? Or, um, or are you more Wongaipuan. Right. Um, I'm what you call a slow learner, so um, I do everything at Pete's pace. Okay. I can't study, I just, just drive and bar me. But you know a lot. So. Yeah, 30 years of... <laughs> can't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> 30 years of digging around, so... Yeah. Um, but yeah, like all the young fellas that's come through our ceremonies now, they're brilliant. Yeah. Right. You know, they speak their languages of Gomeroy, Wiradjuri. One young fella now, Jesse Hodgetts, he's... He's a Nyimpa linguist teacher. He teaches that every Tuesday night, two nights to go. And he's brilliant. Awesome. And to see all these young fellas, you know, when I first started with law, with our ceremonies, it was only Uncle Paul and my older brother Ray Kelly that knew all the language. Mm-hmm. And I set upon myself to um, start learning a bit more every time. Like, when Uncle Paul and uh, Brother Ray was teaching us how to, to do our dances, 
ugh, that was a wild time. Um, but they were hard on me, because I was the first of the rebuilding of dancing, mm. other than those two, because they're brilliant at everything. How old were you then? 25. Right. So when Ray and Uncle Paul was teaching me, um, <coughs> they said I moved kind of like an islander. <laughs> I was slow. <laughs> and um, they said, you've got to get more nimble our ways. I said, well, I didn't grow up with it. Mm. And then, so the learning started that way. Right. So, so what was it like when you, like, how did you find them? Did, were they part of your family? Or? Uh, Uncle Paul's my family. Right. Um, through the Williams and the Gordon site. And he worked where I was working with a Wobbicle in Newcastle. And he was the cultural officer at the time. So he grew up learning everything. He was the last of the old way, as far as I'm concerned, for our people. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, and that's on the men's side. Not saying any, the, the ladies didn't, but of course, mm -hmm. I now learn that there's Nina Beryl Carmichael Phillips. She's beautiful lady and she's also very well um, well spoken in our language and culture but Uncle Paul's probably the only male in our language, culture the whole components mm -hmm. I've got a cousin, he's a linguist um, but Uncle Paul's taught me everything and, and has he from the same area as you then? Yep. Yeah. But you were both living in Newcastle when <coughs> yeah. you started learning about us. Well, we went, when we moved from Bree, you went five. When I was five, we went to Glen I was there eight years till year seven. And my brothers all went to hostels in Newcastle, Aboriginal hostels, Kirinari. Mm -hmm. So mum asked me if I wanted to go. I said, yeah, I'll follow my brothers. Then... Uh, Uncle Paul's older cousin, Uncle Ronnie, he was running our hostels. And so I knew of cousins and uncles that way. Mm -hmm. Not much, but you always call your seniors uncle or auntie anyway as a respect yeah. as we grew up. And then <coughs> um, Uncle Paul was in and out of hostel, but I guess uh, I didn't know much of him then. And then when I started working with the Awabakal Aboriginal Centre co-op, Uncle Paul was there. Right. And then Uncle Paul met the other two old men. Um, not supposed to say their names because they're resting now. Because okay. when you speak their names, um, they can't rest. They have to see what's going on. Mm. So the two old uncles and Uncle Paul then started ceremonies. 31 years ago now. And yeah, been through the whole system. Mm. So it's been, I couldn't imagine any other way. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was an amazing experience for me and for so many other people to go on that Yamanangabaka tour <coughs> and, and be able to, to listen to the songs and see the dances and hear the stories. Mm. Um, and so important, I think, for those communities as well. And um, yeah, how did you get involved with that? Um, and, and with dance performance sort of more publicly, I suppose, generally? Um, well, the dancing performance publicly started with Uncle Paul again. <coughs> and that's when Ray and him was teaching, teaching, a group, teaching us how to do our dances. Of course, mm. once we started ceremonies, 
once the three elements started the ceremony, everything else started to come with it. Dancing, language, storytelling, mm. um, being tour guides through our sites. So been through the whole system with the old fella and not as consistent as I'd like and he called me a stubborn learner also. So. <laughs> um, but I got traveling the world a few times, a lot of times from dancing Mm. and know a fair few groups around Australia. So when I found out about the first River Festival, that had been 11 years, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, um, <coughs> pardon me, with the old fella down there is a Sumner from the Narangiri mob at Adelaide. They came up the river and started, the, uh, was doing the festival. Is that... Um, Before the Barker one. Is that um, Uncle Moogie or something? Moogie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so I found out two days before it was happening. Mm. So I rang up straight away. I said, uh, we're Nyimpa, our group, and we do our dancing and we'd like to come on it. I said, okay, meet us in Kalamala. So we filled up the old VT Commodore. Me, uh, my oldest boy Lee, my oldest daughter Charlene, and Peter Jr. and Charlene's partner Ray, and we took off. Made it there just on sunset. They were all just finishing their dancing, perfect timing. So we jumped out, splashed from Oprah and ourselves, and danced the night away. Then we did another nine nights with them down towards the Coorong, towards Adelaide. Wow. So, so where did it start? Kanamala. Where's that? It's... Is that on the river? No, it's uh, on a river... I think it's not the Paru... Maybe... Lednepa. That's another river that joins in. Okay, right. From, from north. And um, it was... Uh, the start of the river was about 80 k's out of Kanamala heading east. So it was on a property there, and that was our first dance. Then we came into Bree, we danced at the fish traps. That was spectacular. Yeah. Of course, uh, never danced there before. Really? That was pretty much my first time doing the corroboree at the fish traps. The one before that was over at Burke. That was the, um, the Yamakara Festival. And... For me, my daughter, my son-in-law, my sons to dance there with our language, it was like the peak of dancing for me. And every night we danced from Bree all the way to Kurong. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, we had a light sprinkle of rain without clouds. So that to me was telling us it was right. Everything was perfect. Um, we got looked after, the Naranjiri mob looked after us good, travelling down with them. There was other dance groups also, there was the Cornelia dancers from Kanamala, um, Cheryl Buchanan's family, a uh, lovely lady, and her son Mujiri, one of the best singers you'll ever hear. Um, they travelled also, so it was three, three groups, and we did the whole trip all the way down the Kurong. Then... When we finished the week after we finished that, 
that festival, that songline of the river, it flooded. So it works. Uh, and when I did the one, the Barker one, I've got to say the other word for the Barker starts when it goes into Rajri country, the Barkanji. Right, and the words Yama, Nanga, Barka, yeah. it means... <coughs> Yama means hello. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nunu is the fish traps and Barka is the river. But that Barka, see, every part of, every tribe on the river so, has their own name for that. And that, that part that of the one, that, those words are Barkanji languages? No, no? Nip, Yama, Nunu, that's the, that's Nipa. Okay. When you say Paki... Uh, that's the edge of the water. Okay. But bark and gee, that's oh, so, so that's their language. Does gee mean like people or something? Yeah. People on the edge people of the water. People on the river. Right. <coughs> but when you say bark and gee that way, it's nimpa or water's edge or full of water. With a p. Mm. Right. So p and b's, it's all different syllables for different mobs. Mm, right. Um, but for our mob from. Brewarrina down, we call it Barwin. Barwin. Yeah, with a P, more Parwin. Parwin. Okay. But then the settlers couldn't handle the P, so they call it Barwin with a B. Right. So, mm. so I had talks with the guys who were doing the festivals. They said, oh, we didn't know. I said, well, if you know, it happens oh, again, right. can we add the Parwin? Oh, right, okay. So what would you rather it be called? <coughs> like the Yama, Nanga... Barwon. Well, they're going to start Barker. the festival in the Parwon. <coughs> Pardon me again. Right. So, so the, is, and the, is, I've heard you refer to the festival as the River Festival. Is that why? Yeah, because me, the language sort of difficulties. Yeah, because if you're going to put all the languages in, yeah, it's hard. Because it would change as you go down that enormous so river Parwin, quite a few times. Parwon Baka. Right. Instead of putting in Nunu, because Nunu is a big story about how the river first started. Mm. And that's what my family, we were dancing those components from when Uncle Paul taught me. Right. So the river, before there was a river, it was a big water hole where the black brim was, a bungalow. And he lived in his place, Gurunya. And the story goes on and on. And basically, he was eating the people up as they come across. So. As they cross the river? No, oh, as they come the, to the water hole. Oh, right, okay. So it's a big creation story. We're probably going to be here for another half a, half a day talking about it all. Oh, I'd love that, but, <laughs> but <laughs> another time. Yeah, so we dance the stories, the components of the stories of the creation yeah. from Wurunya, where the black brim took off when God speared him. And when he took off, the water came out of the hole where he was, out of Wurunya, and I followed his tracks all the way down to Adelaide. Right, along and the course of what? The whole river. The, and, and, um, and that's how the river was made for our start of our story. And I, although it has lots of different names in Aboriginal languages, it's, all, it's the Darling River. Darling in Barwin. English, yeah. So the Barwin, Parwin, Parker, <coughs> and various other names would it be along the way? Another four. Right. What are the other names there? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, you got the Rajari, then you got <laughs> Mudi Mudi. Yeah. So. A lot of different countries. Yeah. So how long is the river? It must, it must be like a thousand kilometres or something, isn't it? It would take you, yeah, be close. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, it starts in Queensland, so you're mm. probably looking at over a thousand kilometres. Yeah, probably. Um, 
and and like moving along the river and doing the festivals um because it sounds like there's like because i've only known about that one that happened but um you said you've been doing it since what 2010 or so is it? Yeah, about 11 years ago, yeah. 2010. Yeah, right. So um, have people been doing it every year? Is it the same kind um, of a journey or is it just to journey along the rivers? Is, is that is that like a songline? It's a, a, the whole river is a songline. Right. So For people that don't understand what a songline is, would you be able to explain that? Um, songlines go all over Australia, maps that everywhere. If you would have seen on the phone the other day, they... <laughs> they were saying that they had the traditional um, tracks where our people walked. It's ridiculous. Uh, our song lines governs where we go. Uh, like, beginning from white people, we always got to go back to beginning. So <laughs> that's something I can clarify. Uh, our beginning from for Nimpa is a little place called Byrock. Okay. Okay. Um, a sacred waterhole there, Wogata Bagania. And the four animals came out of there from when God came down from the heavens, him and Mother Earth. Um, and is God like Barami? Or do you have well, a name we, for it? Or? The common name that we use is Muka. Okay. Uh, the, the B word, it's sacred. And oh, okay, sorry. For, oh, that's okay. Like, a lot of people, because it's... Um, the culture's been upset over the years. Uh, it can't be hard on it. But a lot of people use Miami. Okay. But I teach my family Muka for my kids. Mm. And So like contextual words. Yeah, so. trying to get it back to the old way. Yeah, right. You know, everyone's not going to know the common name for their, for their areas. Mm. Um, so, and we've all got a lot of learning to do. Not just Aboriginal, but everybody. Mm. And so, yeah, uh, Muka, he came down and Mother Earth and they planted the seed and the four animals come. Then they walked all, the Goanna walked across Australian Bight to Perth. So that's a song line. So that's the one I follow. So it's about 12 tribal areas. <coughs> and your Karika, grandfather in language, he'd teach you those languages. So when you do your ceremonies, after that, you'd go on, the, on your song line to fulfill a lot of things. I'm still learning about that. And when you come back, uh, you, you know, you have your wife and everything else, and then you go on with life as it is. Mm-hmm. But Karika, he teach you the languages that you travel through. And as you're traveling through your song lines, um, because we got our Mawati system, that's like those four animals. You look at a big circle and you dissect it like a scope and those four animals take up those quarters. So that's our Mawati section. And for my Mawati, the Goenna, as we go on a cross, um, I'd have my section to sit in. So those people know how ceremonies and we'd know their ceremonies and that, that's your family group. When you say your section to sit in, does that mean during ceremony like, or, yeah. or something? Yeah. Everything was a ceremony before settlement. Right. Uh, it was celebrated and cer- had ceremonies for everything. Leaves, insects, to the minutest of things, to the biggest of things. So we sung and paid respects to everything. 
So hence the reason why it's called Songline. We'd go and we'd travel, had to go through when we have our sections to sit in each of those tribal areas. Uh, we'd go to specific places and we'd sing to them. Sing to the trees, sing to the grass, sing to the animals, sing to the water holes. And that's why it's called a song line. You're always paying respects to Mother Earth and God, to Mukha. So Ganitha Kun is Mother Earth, Mukha is God. So that song line component is about giving that respect back. And then the emu, he went to West End Sydney and straight across the Kimberleys. So that's 22. So you're kind of in the middle of <coughs> that one. Right? Mm. Yeah. So from my, so that's Byrock, the go and go this way, the emu would come down and go back. Right. The echidna goes to northern Queensland and back down the coast, and then back out. So when these animals finish their journeys, the kangaroo went across the Uluru. So when they finish their song lines, they come back, and they're our mountains now. So this, it goes into different parallels of stories, of course. A Dreamtime story is more than one level. Um, you got the kids' stories, the adult stories, and the spiritual stories. So everything that we teach is for the starting the kids off. And then when they go, when my kids do ceremonies, then they'll learn the next levels. Mm. But uh, my kids, sorry, that's my phone going ting ting. I'll turn this down. So my kids aren't in my section. They're in their mother's section. So they'd be, I'm um, Ipai, so my kids would be Cubby. Is that um, a different animal? Yes. So, so, so mine's the Goanna and Cubby's the Emu. Right. Oh, Cubby's the Kangaroo. Right, so they have a different song line. Yes. And the, all the responsibilities <coughs> to different plants and animals yeah. to do ceremony along that song line. So if our system right. was intact, their grandfather, my father, their Kariko would teach them about that, so their song line. Mm. And... So they know those languages. So we knew over up to 20 languages. Wow. So it wasn't just feel the skull with sand and see how brainy it was. So that theory is gone. Um, I would have to learn the 12 languages going across the Goanna section. Then each tribal area has six, six neighboring tribes and we'd know those languages also. Yeah. But then you'd know your mother's languages and the six around hers. So mm. you're getting up to 30 languages. Yeah, wow. <coughs> so um, it gets so, pretty in depth. Yeah, for sure. And and what do people do if they don't have that? Like, what, what will your kids do to find... Like, can they go through the song line to, to find people to teach them about what they need to know? Like, well, what do you what do I'm, when this tradition's been broken? Well, that's what I've been telling people now. Like, um, I went to Perth, and a guy over there... Were, had a book about the, the lizard men, the goanna men. And I tell them that I'm part of that section. Mm. <clears throat> and the other tribe, they're doing the goanna section. So I'm slowly piecing things together. Mm. Um, whereas yeah, there's over 2,000 of us now and every one of those, those guys want to piece Uncle Paul. So you can't get all the information in one area. You've got to bide your time and take your part of the jigsaw when it happens. Mm. So, and we've got to find, fulfill our journeys our own ways also. So it's always something. And I've been very fortunate 
to do a bit of traveling and learn more stuff. Yeah, it, it sounds um, amazing how the, if you have those responsibilities across the whole country and the, and everybody knows each other's languages, is there a potential there to rebuild parts of the places where culture's been damaged then? That sounds um, hopeful. <coughs> well, for my section, a lot of the languages are still there. Yeah, good. So Nyingpa's on the rebuilt, like I said, Uncle Paul and young Jesse's teaching us. Mm. Um, Barkindji's pretty good. Then you go across into South Australia, they're pretty good. Pitinjar, Southern Pitinjar and Naranjiri. Then you get over across to uh, Naranjiri, I used to know all the names. So, and they're all pretty good with languages still too. Yeah, good. Um, but when you come this way from Bruwarana to this way, the languages are less because of settlement. <coughs> but it's on the rebuild again. Mm. So it's slowly getting there. Yeah, good. Awesome. And, um, and you've got a, a property that you're working on. And um, do you want to tell us about what the dream is for that? Because um, oh. is, is that a, like the goal of that to be about a, a sharing place for teaching yeah. about culture and stuff? Well, it's um, a lifelong dream. I've seen the property there all my life. And then I started tracking down who was the owners and whether they wanted to sell them. And <coughs> a lovely man called, I call him Uncle, Uncle Bill Palmer. He's not indigenous, but he's due to respect because I chased him five years to get the property. And uh, I think I wore him down. <laughs> so um, one of the other brothers has paid for it. So. When the idea is I'll pay for half when I get some money and we go in halves with it. And it's five acres above the fish traps looking down the oldest man-made structure in the world, mm -hmm. Nunu, the fish traps. It's spectacular just to camp there. My dream is to build a cultural centre, um, <coughs> cafe, art gallery, um, all in one and face it down the river looking over the fish traps and have my veranda smack there on top of it so yeah. I can just watch the sunsets every day. Amazing. Um, so the idea of the property is to, I want to bring back the Festival of the Fisheries. Uh, I attended one when I was seven, when, after we moved away, and it was spectacular. We had street parades, uh, there were storms, we had all different activities for kids and stuff. And to see the, the floats, everyone made a float and put on a trailer or back of a truck or there was a couple of wagons with um, uh, floats and it was spectacular. Awesome. I want to bring it all back. Of course, kids today ain't getting it and it's, it's sad. Why are the fish traps so special for people that don't understand like um, <coughs> the significance of them or, or even what they are? They're um, Maybe we can sort of visually describe it a little bit for them well, as well. I start from, again, go back to the beginning, the story of the Black Brim, Bangla. Uh, when Mukha speared him, God, he took off. When God speared him and put him back in the Gurunya, God and his two sons made the fish traps. And the fish traps are a maze of volcanic rocks which are not found next to the river. It's only from our mountains over wow. 100 k's away. So it was a feat which was easy for Mukha and God and his sons, but for a normal person, it's like 
probably 50 truckloads. Yeah, wow. <coughs> so the story is Mooka and his sons put them in, made the maze in the fish traps because it's at the lowest part. And when the fish come up the spawn, before all the weirs were put in, uh, we'd block the top one off and or the bottom one, depends which way things are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, then, like, like how the water is <coughs> flowing, is that? Yeah, well, the water's going down, so the... Can it flood up the river? Like if you get lots of rain in one spot, does it ever go up? No, <laughs> it's no. never that bad. <coughs> it's so flat there, I feel it's, like, it's like it, it could potentially go up the river. Like from the top of the weir, where the bow enjoys darling, uh, of the Parwan River, Yeah, uh, it's a two metre drop. Right. So it's a good flow going down, but we'd block the gates off when the fish fill up all the traps. Right. And then word would be sent out to everywhere on the eve of spring, and tribes from northern Queensland, and as I already said, Natanjiti would come up the river for the festival of fisheries. Mm. Um, the coast mob would come, go out, Arnhem Land, wherever they can come from. So it was a big festival. Wow. So I say it was the first festival. Yeah. Because we got the oldest man-made structure. And I think it might be as, as old as 120, is yes. 120,000 years old. Well, the old more maybe. the dating process that that the machines they make, the older it gets. Wow. So it's, we've got to remember, the dating machines are only human built. But our stories yep. go back millions of years. Yeah, so how does that, um, I've, I've seen some things about how they have stories that, that go into the ocean because the, the land, the water used to be lower and they have stories of the land down there. Like, um, how, do, how do they know that the stories of the fish traps are so old? Um, for, from our stories to the dating process, see they dated it from our processes of our stories. Mm. And the rocks itself are dated over 320 million years old um, from the mountain ranges. And the mountain range is those four animals I talked about, the goanna, emu, kangaroo, and echidna. Right. <clears throat> so they dated it from that process. But the stories itself, yeah, precedes their dating, or before their dating. So how, how, um, how do you know how the older story is? Well, we don't worry about how old it is, because people call it, dream time stories yeah um ours are still ongoing so mm. it's not it's the first story which is still our story today so it's it's not it's only a time the word dream time it's um so you can't put english into language right. and expect it to exist together mm. because it doesn't say it properly mm. um <clears throat> dream time itself it's that time and only that time is what I'm making of how you say it in English. But when you say Madhutupuna, our dreaming, our dream time, then our dream time is still today. Mm. So whatever's happening today, it's existing with the old way. Yeah, right. So it's still our time. Sort of outside of, it's, it requires that language understanding to, to really understand the concept. Yeah. Yeah.
we all need to learn Aboriginal languages then, don't we? <laughs> well, <coughs> it comes back to what we talked about before, like mm. all the cultures all over the world are old. Mm. And, you know, I'm not saying who's old and who or what comes first, but um, once we all get it, designations back to where it was and all the languages are doing what they're doing and ceremonies in the right spaces, it's like the acupuncture points mm. on our bodies. You do that for Mother Earth all over the world and we're doing the acupunctures at the times that are supposed to be done then this planet's going to just, you know, it'll go from being in half a shock to being full back. Mm. Because all the cultures ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. And what, what is it, like, when you're saying <coughs> that, what, what are you referring to? And, like, what's the magic of the, of the rituals? And the, I mean, um, I'm quite interested in it in terms of, um, like, like, one of the things that was brought up on the trip um, was the importance of Aboriginal culture for land management. And for the health of the environment and yeah the, the health of the planet really <coughs> um so yeah how does that all work for you like in your mind oh well peter's concept <laughs> it's pretty far-fetched to everybody else's um see once australia once we get all the tribal areas back to doing ceremonies in their areas it's like the pincushion for mother earth and the songs the land Everyone else is taken from the land, like we know, but no one's given back. Mm. It's only a few pods in New South Wales that are doing ceremonies of sorts. And um, Queensland are doing theirs, Island Land, Western Australia and South Australia and Northern Territory are, are into theirs still. Mm. So once, once everyone gets ceremonies in their areas for the time they're supposed to have it, then, pardon me, I shouldn't have that Pepsi Max. Um, <coughs> then you'll find the pulse will happen better. Mm. I say pulse because it's not just once we get Australia settled with languages, dance and ceremonies, the rest of the world's got to do their language and ceremonies in their areas and just imagine a world pulse. Mm. You know, um, there was the dance for one o'clock that was happened last year at a certain time on a certain day. Well, everyone's ceremonies happened at certain times, but we had more than one ceremony. Mm. So you've got to amplify that one time where we all dance at one o'clock on the seventh or whatever month it was, amplify that by another hundred, and those are the ceremonies that we must do all over. Mm. Like, um, Every culture's got to go back to the old way, mm. as far as I'm concerned. And uh, the new stuff today, it coincides with the old way, but it shouldn't change the old way, mm. is what I was taught. Yeah. So they can live together, <coughs> but the old way has to be the old way. Mm. So. So um, in that sense, like, how do people like me who've been born in another place or, or people who have ancestry that are from somewhere else, how do we, how do we best do that, do you reckon? Um, well. And it doesn't have to be a, you know, you don't have to have a right answer, just what do you reckon personally? <laughs> well, if you're here in Australia, you know the old expression, do as when you're in Rome, do what the Romans do. Hmm. 
Well, that's for every tribal area, every culture around the world. You've got to do what they do in their country. Mm. You just can't go to another country and do ceremonies from somewhere else there because it might not be the same place. Mm. Um, then it's like if I, when I travelled overseas, um, I, we always met the elders and we said, look, we come to dance, is that all right? We did the appropriate things. <clears throat> and if it, if it wasn't met culturally to dance in those places, then I wouldn't dance. I would have got on the plane and come back mm. because it's just not protocol. Mm. You it's got a to, gift, really, though, yeah. to bring your dance to another place, isn't it? Well, I mean, well, I, mean yeah. I imagine if I was in England and somebody <coughs> said, oh, there's an Aboriginal dance group that wants to dance, I'd be so excited. Yeah, but, well, um, I wouldn't go over there and dress up like them and do a dance. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's sharing, a, isn't it? That is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what do you imagine is like the best way for people to come together and, and do this in Australia when we all have different kinds of cultural backgrounds? Um, like the, the place that you're setting up, um, is that somewhere where you expect that people from all different backgrounds will be able to come to learn? Well, yeah. Um, I wanted to have a big crobbery there uh, because the festival before the town where Warren was built there, mm. it was all crobbery grounds and all the mobs would come and dance and dance, dance the night away. So I want to take, bring the crobberies back. Mm. Um, and so for people who don't know what a country <coughs> is, can you... That's Aboriginal dancing from... And I want to get all the different nations from around Australia to come and show off their style. But I'm going to be... I want to offer a, a prize money. Mm. So that way, I don't like relying on grants and stuff. Mm. And if people can come and they're dancing for, say, $30,000, then that's going to make them stronger. Mm. And... It's a, it's a criteria of, um, I've set up as a criteria of getting back to your way of dancing. Because I grew up learning songs and dances from Uncle Paul and Ray. I'm very fortunate. Um, my artwork is from Uncle Paul. Uh, our language is from Uncle Paul. I can also learn Ray's language because it's my grandmother, she's Dungan. But, a lot of people ain't that fortunate, and the corroboree idea, the the dance off of nations, it's about try and get people to go back to their way and learn more their way. Of course, I joined I joined up dance groups from Queensland because my kids' mother's mother was Queensland. Mm. I wanted to learn the songs for them, mm. and a lot of our people are doing their songs and dances without their permission. So it's about, <coughs> pardon me, it's about getting them back to their original dance. Because it's like, do as the Romans do, you know, when you're in Rome. If I'm in another tribal area, I'd like to dance their way. Mm. And I did it when I went to Arnhem to my older brother, um, Woody Arnold's people, the, at Yurikala. And he let me dance with them, and it was spectacular. So if I'm in a different tribal area, I want to dance their way. And if we're going to have the dance-off of the nations, then I want everyone to come and dance their way. And the prize money will uh, be put out that way. Mm. 
So like a, a yearly dance competition or, a, or um, more often? or <coughs> I want to make it, first off, it'll be a year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at every long weekend. Oh wow, yeah. Cool. So, you know, you got the Christmas, you got Australia Day, you got Easter, you got the Queen's birthday, you got October. Yeah. Um, put a property on at those times. Mm. And then when we get full capacity, um, of course a lot of our people meet up for the rugby league knockouts, the Aboriginal knockout. I want them to meet up for dancing now. Mm. You know, I grew up with rugby league more than I did culture. Now I know more culture. I want the kids to grow up with coming for culture instead of football. Mm. Football is a, a dynamic which is helps set them up through the years. Mm. You know, they're paying an unbelievable amount of money, mm. and I'm hoping, you know, on the quarter they can come and do a corroboree and the money will help them also. Great. Help, help the family groups. Yeah, so good for community. <coughs> Mm. People's identities and everything. So it started when I went to Laura Festival, top of Queensland. And I thought, well, wow, I'd like to get this back, huh? So it's getting closer. Yeah, cool. It's exciting. Um, and and will the Corroborees be something that everybody can go to? Or is it will it be mainly for Aboriginal <coughs> communities to go to? No, it's for everyone. For like, everybody. Oh. To go back to your question about... Um, the non-indigenous that are here. Mm. Um, well, I was taught by Uncle Paul. Um, if you're born here, you have the right to learn the laws of this place. Wow. If you come here to live, you still have the right to learn. Because you look at the first settlers. Mm. Um, none of the mobs where the settlers came and the ships turned them away. They wanted to put, bring the Cookie and Macquarie and all them fellas into the system, the Mobiti systems. Mm. They had a place as a family group. They were going to be looked after. But like we know, they had their issues and they wanted the land for a different purpose. Right. So even from the first settlers, mm. it was accepted for them to come into to our systems wow. and be part of it. So, so um, I often think like what would have been the right way for... Um, those first people, those settlers, to have arrived, um, you know, how could they have done that better? And that that's really interesting to think that, yeah, getting sort of accepted into that original system would have been... Mm. That's that's fascinating. Um, that didn't so, work. Like, is that, is that something that's... something people can actually seek out? Or, like, because I, I, I feel like... There's a hesitation in me to say that, oh, yeah, we can all do that, because, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is that okay <coughs> to kind of seek out... Um, if people want to know from to... me, I can teach. Yeah, I, right. I love so, to teach. Yeah, right. Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when I go home for trips, which is nearly every school holidays, um, people want to come yeah. and be part of the trip, the journey, right. and learn. Amazing. Just jump in your car and come on. Yeah, right. Well, that's just such an amazing opportunity. Just like the festival on the river. Yeah, the right. Yeah, which was so incredibly welcoming. Um, yeah, Bruce always, when he welcomed people and said, you know, everybody's welcome here and everybody's meant to be here and we want to care for everyone, that was such a, a heartwarming message mm. for me. Well, um, that's just how our people are. As yeah. I said, like, you know, Captain Cook and them all was, had the same welcome. 
amazing. Didn't want it. Yeah. Well, they definitely made a mistake. I think we can all um, try and just do a little bit better today, right? <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think what else we can talk about? There's so many things. Um, well, to finish up on the property, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, yeah. The you? property is going to be based on not just Aboriginal component. Mm. We're going to cover a shearing aspect. We're going to cover the, the cattle. She yeah, she oh, right. So, like, so the property is going to cover stuff. everything about Brewarana's existence. Wow. Right down to the railway, to the steamboats. Of course, at the bottom of our property, the last steamboat that burned down, the Wandering Jew, mm. that's boiler is still in the water. A boiler? Yeah, the boiler that runs the, the paddle steam. Oh, right. Okay. So that's still there. So my vision. It's, Get it out. I'm a Pisces. I dream a lot. <laughs> <coughs> so, <laughs> to, to touch on... Yeah, fish man. <laughs> so, to touch on everything, like, you know, I want to touch on uh, not just Aboriginal culture. Yeah. The shearing, the yeah. cattle, the steamboat, the railway, the yeah. flying doctors. So, the property is going to be for everybody to come to. Mm. I'm getting train carriages, so the railway enthusiasts can come out. Uh, trying to find and track down people that can build a mock-up model of the old wandering Jew boat builders. Um, wow. So I'm slowly collecting things now because I can build a place and I can have all these components built into our shop. So the, the main building itself is going to be built out of sandstone to mm. go with the river theme because all the old ports all the way down the river, all the warehouses are sandstone. Mm. So we're going to build it out of sandstone to cover that aspect to keep the theme. Yeah, right. That's a historical nod. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be historical for everybody, not yeah. just Aboriginal. Wow. The main component though is the corroborees, mm. the shop, like in our retail shop it's going to be my paintings, my wife's paintings, she's brilliant. Mm. Um, <clears throat> We make the artifacts, myself, my cousins, they're brilliant artifact makers, Peter Gordon, Alfie Fares, Tommy Barker. You won't, mm. get, won't get any better in New South Wales and Empires. And Uncle Paul, not the throne, got a throne the boss. Um, so the shops want to be covered with all that. So Amazing. all my girls can weave, so we got the weaving covered, we got the jewelry making covered, um, the coffee shop that. Mm. Yeah, got to have a this, meeting place. This is lovely. <laughs> Our old school cafe. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to find the old cafe stools that it used to sit on in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they have an old bar like the cafe, the counter. Yeah. Uh, I've got a milkshake maker, an old one. Yeah. So I'm getting some more of those. Old school milks. <clears throat> so yeah, it's like walking in happy days. Yeah. <laughs> um, the booze, I don't want the old school ones, but one of the guys, he's a wood maker, oh, yeah. um, table maker, and we're going to make it out of each of the timbers that are in our tribal area. Oh, so we've got wow. Gidgee, Mulga, Beefwood, Red River Gum, Needlewood, uh, Yellow Box, Black Box. So each birth will be a different timber. Wow. Um, With a bit of a story about them or something. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And I've been going down to the antique shops of the mountains, pretty much my second homes, and slowly lay by and old stuff to go in the shop. Cool. So I got the old lights that used to be at 
outside the Metro Theatre in Sydney. Wow. And they're going to be on each end of the bar, the coffee, the milkshake bar. Mm. And so I like antics. Sounds really welcoming. And, yeah, um, that's what I wanted. And beautifully like, <coughs> storytelling through all of the, the things that you're going to have in there. That'll be amazing. Then I want the biggest <laughs> and loveliest fish tank aquarium. Oh, yeah. Right in the middle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If you're going to be With a water miniature, person... A miniature fish trap. And, mm. Yeah, no, I'm thinking <laughs> that, but I, I love... I love to bring the ocean one out there. Yeah, right. Because it's different to what we got. Yeah, right. And yeah, that's that's just part of Pete's in Big Pete's dream. dream. Yeah, awesome. So sounds like a dream. And everyone a lot welcomed. of people will get onto. So that's great. Like now we can um, have camping and caravans that go on mm-hmm. there, but I've got to clear it and develop it. That's, yeah, so that's, that's why I'm busking in the streets. Yeah. So I can raise the money to start clearing the property. That's yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a central place. There's a lot of people can travel there from so many different parts of the country and come and learn. It's um, going to be quite an amazing centre, especially with it being right near that. such a historically important, well, the fish traps and everything, and, and such a, a beautiful place where culture's strong. So... Yeah. So imagine a 10-metre balcony looking down the river. Yeah, I want to go already. Yeah. I want to, go already. <laughs> I want to move on now, but yeah. the wife's doing midwifing, so I've got to wait. So why, why do you live in Katoomba <coughs> at the moment? Um, in this cold, heavenly place. Uh, <laughs> moved there 10 years ago for dancing. Right, because you used to work at, uh, at Echo Point when they had Point. the original dance yeah. there. Yeah. was down there for five and a half years, and... Hmm. Um, I went through the, all this doctor stuff to finish, mm. and then the, the missus, she's finishing off her midwife um, courses, and then we'll move up. Right. So the plan is to go back once everything's sorted yeah. out here. Yeah, cool. I want to have the big festival, like, I want to have the street parade back up the street for the little kids, for the kids, the big kids. Mm. I've talked to the, um, the circus mob. Mm. So we're going to lead the parade with elephants and wow. animal carriages. I'm going to hold it. It'll be spectacular. We've got to get COVID over so <coughs> that we can have an enormous crowd. Yeah, well, <laughs> if, if COVID's still around, we'll have the parade and people can zoom in on it. Yeah, awesome. But that's my dream. I want to have the street parade. I want to have the big dance-off of nations. I want everyone to come at night time. Everyone's going to have their own little sections of the camping ground, each tribe. Mm. And you can go to each one and listen to Dreamtime stories from different areas and learn whatever they want to teach. Yeah, amazing. So it's about teaching uh, everybody. Yeah. So I want to name the... I've got a particular name, but I haven't registered yet, so I won't say it yet. And the property is going to be named that. Mm-hmm. And then <coughs> everyone's welcomed. Amazing. So they can come on the veranda and... We'll tell Dreamtime stories, having a cup of coffee and damper in the afternoons. I've got a laser torch thing. We can do the stories in the stars. Oh, yeah. Amazing. So whatever's up there, we've got down here. Just I just want to share everything. How does that work, actually? Um, I've come a little bit quite interested in the star lore and how that relates to the land. How does that, how does that work? Well, again, to the beginning, mm. the first of our people... Um, the stars for Nyingpa people, mm. the stars, uh, they're our campfires of the first people. So you see the dark part of the Milky Way, which is everyone knows now as the dark emir. Mm. Um, is it that in your culture? 
And <coughs> it's different things in different places though, isn't it? Uh, no, the emu is all over Australia. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, because it's such a significant sight at night. Right. Um, on the moon, with no moon, it's just like pin cushion, pin holes through the galaxy. Mm. So the, fire, the stars are our fires, and the closer the fires to the dark part of the emu, to the, what we call Wadamwool, the river, in the sky, so that river mimics our story for the Barlin. The light Milky Way is the river? No, or, the, or the, the white part of the Milky Way we call Mirabuka. Right. That's the smoke of the fires. Ah, okay. So when you know your constellations, where the Southern Cross is, to the right of that, when it's up in April, the bungalow, the story of our river, how it was created, what is up there to what we have down here. So does um, it like like I, it I, mirrors I, it? Mirrors it. So it's yeah. kind of like, like <coughs> not like looking at a map. It's like yeah, what you see from four like mile a backwards map yeah. or something oh, upside down. Upside down. Map. Yeah. So what you see at Four Mile River at Bree, mm. that's the start of the where Gurunya was, and that's where Bungal in the stars is. Is at Gurunya in the stars. So what's when he's up there and there at the same time? Mm. That's pretty much um, around the springtime when we had the festivals. So it's when you use timing. You use it for timing. So yeah. we're different. So we dance when certain night. stars are in. Right. <coughs> so it all coincides. So yeah, we just didn't know. To walk around and hunt there's mm. a lot um <clears throat> and when you see the emu at night also it's about the emus laying eggs in the nest so it's a good time to get certain food yeah right um and it, do they have to do with like mapping places as well like the way that the song runs you can follow yeah. certain stars um we didn't really map because from the when god laid out and cast out all the tribes, made all the tribes across Australia. Um, his vision was a grand like we know for, for all over the world. And we didn't just uh, walk anywhere, we walked in our family groups, we walked in our tribal area, and we walked in our clan groups. So you got your tribe, your clan, and your family areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so inside your tribe, you get to a clan area. My people, we, my clan, we're Garogilu, the rock people. Mm-hmm. So we stayed in the red, rocky, hot country. Um, <clears throat> and my family group inside that was Kuna, the Wallaby. So it was like your suburbs in the cities. And we had our streets in those suburbs. So if you look at tribal areas in Australia, it's like... a an urban map mm. so the suburbs are all the tribes across Australia okay and the family groups walked inside their clans inside their suburbs and you had more than one family group so we all had our piece to walk in right so it was just one big GPS map right so because everybody knows <coughs> we knew everything so we didn't have the whole to, area and, and like you were talking about before about like knowing all of the different countries around yeah. so yeah. So the only one that needed to know star mapping was the guys that travel on the ocean. Okay. And we didn't have to. Mm. You know, the canoes didn't go out far, mm. probably 10k, but you can still see on a mm. good night. Yeah. Um, and to go back to what you said about tribal areas underwater now, uh, David Attenborough, 
last year in this big ship went out on the barrier reef and there's a cave underwater with still drawings of those people what? up there. What? Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. there's a lot of stuff today's society don't know. Wow. And that was told me by my nephew and he's from the Jabokai Nation. Yeah, right. Incredible. So, <clears throat> his uncle told him about that cave. Yeah. So really old. Twenty Ks out before the waters or oh, well, Barry Reese further. So yeah, yeah. you're probably looking at hundred Ks out. Yeah. Amazing. Before the water rose. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yes, yeah, just one mind boggling part after another. Mm. Do you have a favourite story? Mm. Or song or dance or there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> How many do you think you know? Ah, <coughs> uh, stories? Mm. Probably 15. But they're um, quite long <coughs> stories that like go... Yeah, so the, the part with the stories is it's best to tell them, like I started sharing on the, on the bucket trip, mm-hmm. I took this to Yampakuna on a four mile and put the stories, do the stories on the places mm. is more significant than talking about it here because... It'll just be like reading a novel. Yeah, so people have got to come. So to it's you more. Go, yeah, so if you want to know about stories, yeah, you know, when I go out home, jump in your car, and follow. Yeah, cool. You know, I've got five bad daughters, so they'll torment you and love you to death. They're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I was learning about stories, to take it further, Uncle Paul said you have tribal, clan, family groups, but then you get to personal. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, I ain't got personal one because I didn't start learning until I was 25. So I said to Uncle Paul, I said, can I make my own up? He said, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> so I could tell you this one. Okay. Um, so this is for my kids and my family. So whoever is this in our family. <laughs> so it's about the Goanna, we call Guga. The red Belly black snake, we call Mandaba. There are two good brothers, um, two good friends, sorry, best of friends, and they shared everything. And they did everything every day together. And then, you know, they started watching the older men going out and they're hunting and gathering. And then they looked at each other and said, I wonder who'd be the better hunter. And then the other one said, well, I wonder who'd be the better gatherer. So they said, well, let's try this out. So <clears throat> they had designated spots where to put all the foods and whatever they're gathering. So they went out. And when they come back, they'd look at each other and see who's got what. And when the other one was wounded, they'd sneak it across and do all the trickery stuff to try and be the best. And that was their downfall, try to be the best. So this went on and on and on. They all had the same after a while. And then there's one old tree left. That's called a brewery tree. So it's G-R-U-I, brewery. So I just learned that one too. <clears throat> I knew the tree, but it's damn hard to pronounce. So the brewery tree had the fruit up top, the last one. So Guga went one side, Mandabar went the other. When they got to the top, they grabbed it together. Then they had this fight, and they fell all the way down. And when they got to the bottom, they were so upset with each other because they fell and hurt, hurt themselves, they started to fight. So they were blaming each other. So then Guga and Mandaba at the same time struck each other, biting. So when a snake and they go in a fight and bite, the go in goes off Guga and he eats a special grass to get rid of the poisons. 
Mandabar went off and he bit the tree and that's where the sap comes down. So he gets rid of the Gugas poisons. So when they see each other, the two best friends never be together again. So they'll look up and they'll go the opposite ways. So it's about friendship. Don't let nothing come between you like they did. Be competitive. Yeah, you know, you can have fun, but don't let it be it all. And that's why I teach my girls that story. Mm. Thank you. That was beautiful. Ah, thanks. What were the animals? I just, I was a red belly black snake and a... Goanna. And a goanna. Yeah. And so is that true? Like they don't, they don't actually... That part's true. And I just put the rest of the story together. So it's a story for my kids. Yeah. And my family now. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to get into a book, but then you've got to find someone that knows that deep books. So I'll get there. I reckon you get there. So I want to have our own stories in, in our shop. So Yeah. And there's four plants back home that no one's using for jams and fruits. So I want to incorporate those into our shop so people can just come and have damper and these jams at yeah. our property. Yeah, you have um, all the bush tucker stuff there. <coughs> yeah, we're going to grow all the bush tucker. We're going to have quandong trees around it. They're so from, when people, they, they're from there? They're yeah, quandong. Yeah, cool. So when people come to stay, it's not about you're just paying to stay. You're paying to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. So we'll have the f- foods, the fruits from uh, our six seasons, not four seasons. Oh, okay. So the seasons are different. So we'll have the fruits and the veggies from those different seasons, like summer, there's um, different foods and fruits. And then, so when people come out different times, there's gonna be something there for them. Yeah, awesome. We've got native passion fruits, we've got wow. um, everything, the breweries, the lot. What's, so. um, what are the <coughs> six seasons? What are the, uh, is that? Um, is well, it a very complicated system. I love wheels of the year. <laughs> it's one of my passions. Um, yeah, finding out what the... Well, I started to learn down the other side, down the south coast, mm. the Thoroughwaldurga area. Oh, yeah. Um, and they got the six seasons. Mm. So I'll give you a copy of that and you can have it. The... the Frances Bodkin? Yes. Yeah, I've got a copy. Oh, good. Yeah, she's it. great. So... Um, Uncle Paul always talk about the six seasons, mm. but um, sure that book they got the names of those six seasons, and which is pretty cool. And you use a similar sort of system, do you, to what Francis wrote about? Yeah, well, everyone across Australia got those six seasons. Okay. So, <coughs> whenever anyone walked around, we had our shopping center in the bush. Mm. We didn't have brekkie lunch supper. Mm. When we walk country, what people call walkabout, that to me is probably the most derogative term on the planet to our Aboriginal person because we knew where we were walking. Yeah. You know, we just... Um, it implies that it's just sort of yeah. wandering without a purpose, but it's yeah, just uh, much more... He's going to walk about. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Um, but whether I'm saying the term wrong or not, but to me it's like, I rather you swear at me. Yeah. You know, than say, oh, you're going to walk about. Yeah. Because our people, we knew where we were going. Yeah. We knew what was there. We knew how to find water. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was no water there, we knew how to get water. Mm-hmm. And if there was no foods there, we'd save certain nuts and stuff in a possum skin bag or kangaroo bag, mm-hmm. and we'd bury it. Mm-hmm. So we knew where we were going. Mm-hmm. So we had everything covered. Mm-hmm. And and people would be walking 
and and traveling around because they were following the traditional lines and doing Clan the rats. ceremony yeah. and yeah, do like the tribal routes. Then the tribal routes go into your song lines. Yeah. So we're doing our own song lines inside our areas for our family groups. Yeah. Our clan groups. Mm. Um, whenever, say you had 15 different family groups in your clan, so whenever those family groups would meet, it all would cross over, and when they meet, that's when we'd have a little dance, a robbery, mm. a little ceremony. And we'd dance for the reason why we're there, because it could be the Kwandong Kuwanta, could be Nyapan, could be Gruri, could be Bubiella, Mugiella, anything. Mm. You know, it could be the bush cockroach. Could be the native, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, that one left me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll come back to that one. <coughs> it's a little flower. It's got a bulb underneath it, like bush potato. Oh yeah. And you got bush garlic, bush tomatoes. Is that a yellow flower? Yeah. Yam daisy. Yeah, the yams. Yeah. <coughs> so we we had ceremonies for all those things. So when you meet up. You know, there's um, the bush banana, thupaga. Mm. Um, so there's ceremonies for everything. Mm. So we were happy people. Yeah, and the ceremonies, I suppose <coughs> they're telling you when to eat stuff, how to find it, where yeah. it is. Well, when to get there, how to get stuff, there, while we get there. Um, then share with your family groups. Mm. So that's why I see a lot of Aboriginal people, uh, especially those that are in the desert areas, <coughs> when one one family member gets something, it's shared amongst everybody, mm. and that's just family groups, and that's just how the system was. Mm. We didn't look after ourselves; we looked after everybody. Mm. That's in your your family wasn't just who you made or where you come from from mum and dad. Mm. Your family group is everyone that is wallaby. Yeah. Your family group is everyone that is rock people mm. or tree people or river people. So. Those were our responsibilities. Mm. So again, gets more in depth. Yeah, and um, and you can <coughs> see how like it's like a system of responsibility, like rather than a system that sort of rewards people for hoarding things and and being greedy. It's a system that like encourages everyone to be constantly sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they didn't share, then you'd have to sit down and listen to the stories again. Mm. And the stories are always about good, bad, sharing, caring, and looking after each other. Yeah, and um, I think that's a big lesson that the whole world needs to learn at the moment in terms of looking after the earth. Um, what do you think there is for us to learn in Aboriginal culture in that sense? Um, Aboriginal people, to me, we've got to come together first. Mm. Uh we're always saying like this against Europeanism and all this, you know, modernization and stuff. <clears throat> but you look at an Aboriginal family or Aboriginal tribal area across Australia, the song lines joined everyone. Yeah. Today, um, a lot of Aboriginal people, especially me, I grew up with the knowledge that your fence was your yard, but in our way, your song line is your yard. So I had half of Australia, mm. you know, following that song line. And, and shared with everybody else. <coughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, to put it blunt, the white way is still instilled in a lot of our people mm. because of 250 years now, I think, 
Um, and it's hard to come back from that. And like I said earlier, not everyone's got an Uncle Paul like I have. Mm. The, the reteach. And the reteaching is what's happening. Mm. And um, <clears throat> that's what we're trying to get across is we're all the same way you're here. You know, Peter wants to share. And if you want to know about things like we're talking about, then you'll find me in the street of Katoomba busking every week, every day. And that's just how it should be. Yeah. And, you know, why is it here in Rome? Let's do what the Romans do. And Aboriginal people, we've got to get together and stop this fighting and nepotism and uh, doing what the government doing is throwing the dog a bone with the money. And it's, that's not being dispersed properly either through the systems because each family wants to be the new king and queen of their tribal area. It doesn't work and it shouldn't. And the old way, the songline way, has to come back faster. Mm. So we've got a lot to teach between ourselves first, our Aboriginal people, yeah. and then we can bring everybody in and let's all do the journey together. Mm. And then I'd like to go across, where's the Druid mob from? Um, uh, the British Isles and parts of Europe. I'd like to go across and learn it there. Yeah, cool. You know, from what I've been learning from you. And I'd like to go to you know, Stonehenge. I'd like to go across these other places when I earn the rights to go to these places and learn there. Yeah. You know, and like I said earlier, the pulse all over the world, the, from the Druids to the witchcraft mob to... The men that dance in them funny little kilts. Not funny at all. My great grandfather was William Mark Smith. So mm. My um, we got our family family dress that we're learning about what we got to wear to the kilt. Right. That's why. So I'm you've got it. you've got Scottish and yeah. Welsh as well ancestry. Yeah. So yes, you have so every, got every right Indian. to be a druid as well. Yeah. Got yeah. American Indian. Got the Smith side. Got the Aboriginal side. Yeah. So. Oh, we've yeah, got. I cover the world. Yeah, loads of stories in the in the Celtic <coughs> so, traditions yeah. that I'm sure would be very well in your hands if. Well, you when I went to Hawaii, Fiji. <laughs> United Emirates, yeah, all them right. places, I wanted to learn their stories. Yeah. And I was lucky over in Dubai, um, a mother and daughter was teaching us about um, their, their stories yeah. in the caves and everything else with the yeah. pigeon and the spire and everything else, and it was brilliant. Mm. So for the pulses, for all the different cultures around the world, let's get together, let's map this out, and let's, let's get it done. Yeah. You know, we've got to stop thinking, oh, they're different to us, but um, I'm going to dob him in. My brother Wayne, he was teaching me how to use the stick like a wand, and he taught my wife, because I was in bad pain with my legs. And when he was using the stick, my skin was moving with the pressure from coming out of it, like Harry Potter stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, holy crap. <laughs> this Harry Potter stuff works and my brother Wayne can do this so a wand for like energy, energetic yeah. healing he was pushing his yeah. power through the wand and it was healing my muscles wow. and if I didn't have it done myself and see it like you could push your skin like that and that's mm-hmm. how the wand was going mm-hmm. pushing energy through and it's brilliant and that's when I thought we've got to get this we've got to get it all all the different cultures from around the world mm. now we go back 
I mean, let's just have one big shindig together here in Australia and then talk about getting back to the places where they come from and we do the shindigs at the same time, mm. same day, and get the pulse from Mother Earth happening. Yeah. We're, um, I'm going to a, a thing in Adelaide in a <coughs> couple of weeks um, where they're doing a... It's, an, it's called the English Ale, um, and an ale is a meaning of Morris dancers. And I find there's a lot of similarity in like, Aboriginal... Um, dancing for the earth and Morris dancing which is where they, they hit sticks together and they wear a lot of ribbons and bells and things and it's all about waking up the land oh, cool. and um, yeah it's like a, a fertility dance a blessing dance um, yeah and I'd, I would love to see that that English tradition and it's from Wales as well yeah. um, and, and other places too and there's other different kinds of, of dance from you know all over the world that are about fertility and the land and the, the awakening and of the energies <coughs> and see it all come together as yep. a beautiful sharing. It'd be amazing. Well, I think I shared with you... Um, How to bring into the ale sometime. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one of our stories coincides with the Chinese stories. So the Chinese dragon comes down and fights our male Rambo serpent. Wow. So when this happens, that's when the cyclones are performing. Oh, wow. Because the male dragon... He wants to have the lady rainbow serpent for his own. So they fight. And that's when you get the low and high pressure. And I, I want to get... I rang up the Chinese dragon dancers for New Year a couple of years ago. <coughs> and um, the gentleman knew what I was talking about. And I said, look, can we introduce the Aboriginal component of the rainbow serpent to dance with the Chinese dragon? The... Um, the water dragon and he's like I'm not sure if I understand you and I said you do <laughs> you went quiet <laughs> and um, they're a bit hesitant which is understandable so I'm trying to join up those that song line yeah so, so that, you that's so a world the song, song lines line. go all around the world as which far as everywhere. yeah like you can interpret the Philippines the dragon there is a Komodo dragon mm. you know and so we have dragons too in the Celtic Cultures as well. I've seen them. Yeah. You know the pictures and everything. And um, <clears throat> so, you, do you think there's potentially a song line that goes all the way around the world through through Britain and back to Australia? Can you imagine that? Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, be spectacular. <laughs> all the dragon dancers come together with the rainbow serpent. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, let's let's get our minds, our dreams out of our heads, and let's do these things. Yeah, of course, yeah. they're there for a reason. We've got to get it back. Yeah. Amazing. So. You know, Ooh, I've got <coughs> see, <laughs> when that happens, it's the real thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I still wanted to get on to the uh, Chinese New Year mob, but see how it goes. Yeah, little steps, eh? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. One dance at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming and talking to me. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's been, been an hour and... 17 minutes, so... Oh, that's just warming up. You want to keep going? <laughs> no, no? It's, it's up to you. I um, mean, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I usually do it about an hour, but um, we can keep talking if you want to. Um, yeah, we can do the hour and we've got many more to come. Yeah, we can do another <coughs> one another time. Because I don't want to take, uh, you know, if you've got to work as well and things. Well, um, I'll just get a coffee, step up the street and play ditch. Yeah, cool.